0: You are Locked On Hornets, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.
1: In a minute, we live. live.
0: This is Locked On Hornets presented by the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Local experts on the number one daily sports podcast network. Check us all out on Twitter at Walker Mail, at Nada the Scribe, and at Doug Branson LOH. You can find the show handle on most social media platforms, at Lockdown Hornets. Just going to be me today, Doug, and Nada are both on a company retreat as we speak right now. I'm going to come back on Saturday, so they will be back, I would imagine, on Monday, but wish them all the fun in the world to have this weekend. And it's just going to be me doing it solo today, And some news that we can discuss. We've got some content. Sean Devaney reporting about the Frank Kaminsky rumors, how the Charlotte Hornets are actively shopping him right now. We'll play some audio from Dan Fable of the Bleach Report. We had him on the wake-up call earlier today on 7.30 the game. ESPN Charlotte, always thorough stuff from Dan. Great talking to him as usual. So had some good things to say on the Hornets tidbits coming out here recently. The road trip and the game tomorrow night. Are the Suns their best bet to get a win even on the night The second night of a back-to-back. They play the Suns on Sunday. They play the Nuggets tomorrow, the number one seed in the Western Conference. It's the only win that they have against the Western Conference this season, and it's a a team that is atop the standing. So hopefully that can ring true again. They can get that victory along with the Phoenix Suns. But it certainly looks pretty gloomy out for the Charlotte Hornets and their outlook for this six-game road trip. But first, we'll get started with this news that Sean Devaney came out with yesterday that the Hornets were actively shopping Frank Kaminsky. League sources tell Sporting News that the Hornets may finally be ready to include Kaminsky in a trade ahead of his coming restricted free agency. Quote, given the way things have gone for him in Charlotte this year, he would likely welcome a change of scenery, and I don't think any of us. I don't think any of us can disagree with that. You've heard Frank in the pre-season comments when we had Hornets Media Day here at the Spectrum Center. You knew that Frank was not particularly happy with his role under Steve Clifford, and it looked like he welcomed a change with James Borrego being the head coach and how the fast pace, that offense, when we were discussing all of that at the beginning of the season – that he welcomed that, <laughs> that he wanted that new role. But now, since he's fallen out of favor here, I'm sure he would, like a change of scenery. So Sean Devaney goes on to say, that quote, Teams have expressed interest, including some contenders, but the Hornets would most prefer to put the money remaining on Kaminsky's $3.6 million deal with another big salary. So Charlotte, according to league sources, is desperate to get out of the two years and $52 million remaining on Nick Batum's salary. And at least one team was told that Kaminsky could be had if Batum were included, but that was enough to deter them. So I read that, and all I think of is obviously, and there's no doubt that the Charlotte Hornets would be willing to move on from Frank Kaminsky because the guy doesn't get any run anymore. Now, Cody Zeller is absent. And you're still not overwhelmingly giving Frank Kaminsky a ton of minutes as a former ninth overall selection. So yeah, I'm sure the Charlotte Hornets are willing to move on from Frank Kaminsky. He's been in and out of the rotation. At the beginning, he started out not getting any minutes, played himself into getting some time, improving a little bit on the defensive end, as some of the stats Devaney references does show. But for the most part, Frank Kaminsky is an afterthought with this team. It's a guy that's pretty buried every once in a while being involved again. But now now he's involved because Cody Zeller's absence, and you thought maybe this would be a nice time for the Charlotte Hornets to maybe show off Frank Kaminsky. You know, maybe, I don't know, some kind of stat padding, let him get some run out there maybe let him go through a a shooting increase, you know, maybe get that field goal percentage up because his three point percentage is right back where it usually was, where his first two seasons in his of his career were. Yeah, he, he shot thirty eight percent from the three in his junior season, but that's it. That's the only time he shot really over thirty-four percent was last season. And a lot of that had to do with his second half performance. So you're looking at a relatively short body of work as far as the efficiency goes for Frank Kaminsky. Overall, his field goal percentage is up, but three-point percentage, it's gone right back down to where it was his rookie season and a sophomore season. So perhaps the Hornets could have taken this time to showcase Frank Kaminsky and kind of get his numbers a little bit better. But who knows what that means now with this going out publicly. You wonder exactly how that's going to affect teams and their pursuit of Frank Kaminsky. So as we continue to reference this article, the Hornets, quote, would also like to move the $17 million owed in 2019 and 2020 to center Bismack Biombo. And then he goes on to say, quote, that's a tough sell getting another team to take that money in order to acquire a guy who will be restricted free agent in the summer and does not appear to fit into his coach's plans. Charlotte would need to lower its asking price. You know, all of this, all of this goes to what I say constantly. Mitch Kupchak took one of the harder jobs in the NBA as far as a general manager goes. You know, it's it's fine. You're going to get to the playoffs. You might not. You might get to a six, seven, eight seed, but you have so much money locked up that it really doesn't give you a huge opportunity to put your thumbprint on this. You know, Mitch Kupchak has had a few trades. He trades Dwight Howard. The Nets buy him out. I'm going to talk about that a little bit later on in the show. But that's one trade you can look at. He got Mozgov. So then you trade Mozgov's contract essentially for an identical contract that you get in Bismack Biombo. Both were going to get the same amount of playing time as it stands right now with what Bismack has been able to provide production-wise. So you've seen Mitch Kupchak kind of tinker here and there. You know, Tony Parker, probably the biggest thumbprint that he has on what the Hornets have done. And it's a good one, man. I mean, Tony has been essential. To a lot of the victories that the Hornets have been able to accumulate. But you look at what he's really able to do to make a huge change, and this is probably where you th- thought the Hornets were gonna be at this point in the season. You know, I mean, you thought at best a six seed was on the horizon, and I don't think you're changing your opinion of that for the better, certainly. If you are changing your opinion, it's for the worse because of this road trip that is coming up. And all of the road games that are going to even come up after that, so it's really tough for him with all of this money allocated to all of these average players, all of these guys that maybe you know MKG does a, he can move and transition, but you guys get the point. I mean, you know, for largely average. There are some cases these players are above, some cases these players are, players are below, but you've got a few guys that are making more than thirteen million dollars a year, and so, duh. Of course they're desperate to move on from Nick Batum's contract. An accelerator right now where he's making 26 mil. You know, of course he wants to move on from Bismack Biyombo's contract where he's making $17 million. Of course he is. And that's a no-brainer. There's no doubt Mitch Kupchak wants to do a massive overhaul. And there are a couple of things to look at. Like, one thing you could look at is just what you could get straight up For Frank Kaminsky, just Frank Kaminsky, what would be the value for him? Here's Dan Fable of Bleacher Report discussing what you could get possibly for Frank and also maybe trying to attach that to a larger contract.
1: He's not going to be particularly valuable. There will be teams that want him. Um, He can be a stretch big. The three-point touch for his career is kind of come and gone. He's never been a better rim protector than he has been this year. That might be something for teams that would want to play him at the five should they acquire him. But he's entering restricted free agency, so any team that lands him knows that they're going to have to pay him this summer or they're acquiring him under the guise that he's a rental. And you don't particularly capitalize um, on players' value in that regard, unless they're stars, which Kamitsky is not. And that same report said, um, and I don't know how serious the Hornets are about this, but they want to attach Nicholas Batum's contract to Frank Frank Kamitsky's deal. That's just not going to happen, not by itself. They would have to include at least one other sweetener, probably in the form of a first-round pick, to get out from Batum's money. And so if they actually want to move Comiskey, um a realistic trade might get them a low-end prospect who has a cheap year left on his deal, or they're probably going to get a second rounder or something along those lines.
0: So I'm not giving re- getting rid of a first rounder in order to move on from Nick Batum's contract. That would be getting rid of an asset just to get out of, co- of Nick's contract early. I get you want to save the money. I think we're all frustrated with that kind of money that's going to Nick Batum, but I'm not getting rid of a first-round pick for it. And that's just, I'm, I'm drawing the line right there. As soon as they ask for first-round pick, I'm hanging up the phone. But he's also right, Dan's also right, in the fact that why would anybody trade for Frank and Nick? Nobody can want Frank Kaminsky that bad to take on that Nick Batum money. Unless, do you think, do you have the ego that hey, I can change Frank Kaminsky. I can make sure that we get the best possible Frank Kaminsky that we can, even if it didn't really work out with the Charlotte Hornets. And also, can I resurrect Nick Batum's career? If you're a GM or if you're a head coach or if you're both and you think you can reach the ceiling of both of those guys, then I still don't think you're doing it. I still think you're asking for a sweetener, as Dan Fable says. So it's going to be tough, but I do think that there are some ways That you can maybe mix and match a Nick Batum, a Frank Kaminsky, and maybe some of these other contracts. That would be here for the Charlotte Hornets team. Stick around on the other side of the break. We'll talk about maybe some examples of some trades that maybe could come towards the Charlotte Hornets. It's going to be rough if Mitch Kupchak really wants to move on from guys like Frank. And certainly... From guys like Nick Batum. We're giving you the daily Hornets talk in your podcast feed. We need you to show your support by joining our Patreon page. For as little as $1 a month, just $1, you'll be supporting the content that you depend on. Patreon.com slash LOH. Once again, it's patreon.com slash LOH. We'll be back in just one moment more on the Frank Kaminsky Trade Rumors. This is Locked on Hornets. And I'm, but,
1: I have plenty of hurricane snacks. Went out and bought some Chex Mix. <laughs> yeah.
0: Which What kind of Chex Mix? This savory. Matters.
1: It was a savory Chex Mix. There's a an, lot you're, of cheese going on in that oh, Chex Mix. You're
0: an expert on Chex Mix, correct, right? Well, on I, just I'm, trail mix. I'm
1: very particular about my trail mix. I'm what, not as particular, particular about no? my Chex, Chex Mix.
0: It's time for more of the Locked on Hornets podcast. Coming to you from the 7.30, the game, ESPN Charlotte, Essex Home Studios. We appreciate them housing us here today. But a quick shout-out to the Gittimer.com studios in Uptown Charlotte. If you're in sales and need help, visit Gittimer.com to learn how they can help you do the one thing you want to do, and that's make more sales. So going back to these trade rumors, Mitch Kupchak and the Hornets, he wants to move on from Frank. He certainly wants to move on from Nick Batum. Sean Devaney using the word desperate to get out of Nick Batum's contract. Think a lot of us are. You know, Bismack Biombo is another guy they want to get off of. Of course, he's making seventeen million and he's inactive. You know, you, that's atrocious. Paying a guy that much money who literally does nothing for you on a lot of different nights, despite Bismack being a, a tremendous guy. I mean, we all know that this guy is a healthy and active, and you're paying 17 million dollars. So of course Mitch Kupchak wants to move off of that kind of money. But what's interesting, I think, as as much as I like Mitch Kupchak, just to go, uh, just to kind of have a quick flashback here, I think maybe one the the one mistake that Mitch Kupchak has made so far, at least the the biggest, the the most glaring one, and it's not you know franchise altering, but I think a lot of people had a problem with the Dwight Howard trade when they realized that the Nets bought him out, and I think that was the problem. I don't think a lot of people had a problem with Dwight Howard heading to the Brooklyn Nets, I think a lot of people had problems with the Hornets just not being able to buy Dwight Howard out and not have to take on that Timothy Mozgov contract. Because the Nets eventually worked a buyout deal where the Nets saved $17 million on that trade by trading Timothy Mozgov, acquiring Dwight Howard, and then eventually buying him out. So you never know exactly what the Hornets could have done if they would have agreed to a different buyout total. I don't know. But... That seems like something you could have done, and that 45th overall pick that you got from the Brooklyn Nets in that deal, trading Dwight Howard, you spent that 45th overall pick selecting Hamadou Diallo from Kentucky and then sending him to the Oklahoma City Thunder. In return, you got back a 2019 second-round pick, and you got cash consideration, so it's not like you used it to move up to get Devontae Graham or anything like that. Right now, you have second-round pick in 2019 and cash in exchange for Dwight Howard. So having the $17 million on the books because you trade Timothy to the Orlando Magic in exchange for Bismack Biombo's contract, well, I guess you could have some problems with that. But that's going on just a little sidebar of maybe something that Mitch Kupchak could have done to avoid having Bismack on this roster for that kind of money. Regardless, you still have a lot of money tied up into a lot of different players. Now, I want to look at one team in particular just as a potential example for what the Hornets could possibly do. No, you don't take this to the grave. I'm not saying that this is going to happen. I'm not saying it's the only team that it works with, but one team that kind of fits all of the criteria about what I think would come back in value for Frank and a team that maybe would be willing to take on a Nick Batum. You know, there are some. there's one team I think that makes some sense, and I think that team is the Houston Rockets. So if you look at Houston, they fit the contender tab that Sean Devaney put in that piece that he came out with for Frank Kaminsky. You know, I I guess you know we're using the term contender loosely because it's Golden State, and I think everybody else is kind of a second. You know, maybe you believe in Milwaukee. You know, who knows? But I'm going to put Houston here in that contender tab just because of what we saw them do last year, and they're balling right now. This is the episode right after Harden just hit that three-pointer against Golden State. So we're going to put Houston in that category, at least as it stands right now. But if you look at Frank just straight up, Dan Favel, I agree with him, said the value would probably come with a second-rounder and maybe a low-end prospect. Well, maybe that fits with a Marquise-Chris type trade. It's somebody that most pundits have written off. But maybe they just want to do a change of scenery deal along with Houston's inclusion of a second round pick. That might make some sense. So Marquise Chris is going to come off of the books at the end of this season. You know, it's a former eighth overall pick. The guy has not been good. He's played in, I think, just 10 games this season. So if they wanted to take on a guy, like maybe it's the ego thing. Maybe it's Borrego and Mitch saying, hey, here's somebody that has a ton of talent. We can tap into it. We can get the best version of a Marquise Chris. You take Frank Kaminsky. We'll do a change of scenery deal. But we actually have a little bit more of establishment with Frank Kaminsky. He's at least shown you some good things, some shooting. So why don't you throw us a second-round pick as well, and then we'll do this deal. So I could see that happening. Maybe it's somebody like that. I know Dragon Bender has been thrown out there a lot for the Charlotte Hornets in recent offseason. You know, Dragon Bender is not exactly panning out for Phoenix. You know, maybe one of those types of guys, including a second-round pick. I think that would be the straight-up value for a Frank Kaminsky. But if you look at trading Batum, you're going to have to take a hit coming back. And I think Houston can fit this bill as well. So let's just say, for instance, that you would trade Nick Batum to the Houston Rockets. And in return... You had to send. let's say you have to send something else with Nick Batum, right? So let's say you go Frank Kaminsky, you go Nick Batum, or you go a Nick Batum and somebody else. I'm not sure, but let's say the, the, the Rockets believe in Nick Batum being that facilitator, being a guy that can defend a little bit, being that guy that can, you know, shoot threes. Nick Batum is more efficient, but it's because largely he's just so uninvolved at times. So, you know, regardless, right? Let's just say Houston believes in Nick somehow, some way they're willing to take on the money. What you would, I think, have to take in return is Brandon Knight's contract. It's a bad one. He's making $14.5 million this year. He'll make $15.5 million next season. So maybe you're able to take a Brandon Knight and an Eric Gordon. Maybe you're able to take both of those guys. You know, that would be $57 million on the books for the next two seasons. You would be locked into those contracts for the next two seasons, but you would get off Nick Batum, who's going to be locked in for three more. Eric Gordon is certainly a good player, so maybe you have to put Jeremy Lamb in that deal as well. I don't know. It just that would make sense to me. So maybe that makes sense, and then maybe you take a Marquise Chris as well. You know, That would be the meat of the deal to move on from Nick Batum, and maybe the Rockets would feel the need to do that. But the thing with just using the Rockets as an example is that they are playing so well right now, so why would you do anything to change that up? You know, that would make a lot more sense at the beginning of the season when everyone was pressing the panic button on the Houston Rockets. So I don't think that this is the one that you should hone in on wholeheartedly and this be the only option. I think it makes as much sense as a lot of teams out there. What team is going to take on that contract for Nick? You know, maybe maybe Nick Batum isn't the guy that you include in a, a deal to the Rockets or another team. Maybe let's say you take on a Brandon Knight and Eric Gordon. You know, maybe you want to take on Eric Gordon, a sixth man of the year candidate, every single season, and you get rid of a Cody Zeller because you're just worried about his injury, or maybe you need a big man. You know, you find different ways to include some of these bigger contracts, but you know it wouldn't make a whole lot of sense unless Nick Batum was that guy. So that's just an example, but I, I mean, it just is going to be tough if you're Mitch Kupchak to move on from a Nick Batum, as well as a Bismack Biombo. Because nobody wants those guys. Like, there's a reason Mitch Kupchak is desperate, quote unquote, from Sean Devaney, desperate to move on from Nick Batum's deal. You know, Nick again, this last game looked largely uninvolved. Again, he's efficient, but you know, he's not. He's not providing you the kind of basketball that you need if you're going to take the next step. And we'll talk about this road trip coming up on the other side of the break. You're hoping that the Hornets can just survive at this point after that brutal, embarrassing loss to the Dallas Mavericks by 38 points. They do play the Denver Nuggets tomorrow. They play the Phoenix Suns right after that, the second night of a back-to-back to to start off this six-game road trip. And we'll be back after this break to talk all about it here on the Locked On Podcast Network. This is Locked on Hornets. To start this off, we all know about LeBron and how he built a school and it got a lot of fanfare. By the time 2019 closes, Bismack Biombo is planning to have six schools. Take that, LeBron. It's time for more of the Locked on Hornets podcast. Thanks for joining me once again. It's the Lockdown Hornets podcast. I'm Walker Mail. Find me on Twitter at Walker Mail. Not at, not of the scribe, Doug. At Doug Branson, LOH. They're not with me today. Again, they're on a company retreat. Going to be back on Saturday. It's a day game, at least for us here on the East Coast, for the Hornets against the Denver Nuggets. It's going to be on at 5 p.m. Eastern time. So we're going to be able to catch that a little bit earlier here in Charlotte. So that'll be nice to at least catch one early game because, as you know, when your team goes on these West Coast trips, you have to stay up a little bit later. They do have a couple. They have three in a row. They have three games at 10 o'clock or later, and they're all in a row. So they start off with the Clippers on January 8th. They play that game at 1030. Then they play the Trailblazers January 11th at 10 p.m., and they play Sacramento. Second night of a back-to-back once again. They play that game at 10 as well. Then they play San Antonio on the road. They play them at 8.30 before they come home and play the Sacramento Kings, Phoenix Suns at home. So you're not going to get an Eastern Conference opponent until you take on the Indiana Pacers on the road January 20th, and you're not going to have another home game until January 17th against the Sacramento Kings and the Phoenix Suns. Hopefully those are a couple of games that you can take care of because you're going to need it. I, I think everybody's scared right now for what the Hornets are going to do. And I don't think that it's been an overreaction to what happened in Dallas. You know, I, I'm, a pretty, I'm a guy that doesn't like to take a whole lot of stock into one game. I think it's important to understand the ebbs and flows of an NBA season. You know, it's tough. You know, teams are going to lose to inferior teams. They do it constantly. You know, the teams are going to have surprising nights. But when you lose to the Dallas Mavericks, a team who had only won twice on the road before getting their third victory at the Spectrum Center, you let them beat you by 38 points? I understand that they were without a couple of starters. Like I know Jeremy Lamb was out. That's a big loss. Cody Zeller's a big loss. I get all of that. But Cody Zeller's not going to be back for quite a while. The Hornets, I think, just came out with some confirmation that he's going to be out for four to six weeks. That's the timeline we're given. So that's at least a month, maybe more, that we're going to be out with really the only long-term, competent big man for this team, in my opinion. And You guys know what my opinions on Billy. I think he's capable offensively. I think there are some games that he can help you on that end of the floor. I think there are zero games that he can help you on the other end. We all know about Frank. We're well-versed in him. No Bismack Biombo. I mean hell, you just might have to give him some playing time and hope he doesn't destroy you offensively. But you're going to be without Cody for a while, and you know that that type of game, like maybe just that one game was enough to see what's coming. You know, I don't think you expect to get blown out by 40, God, I hope not, every single night. But it's going to be rough. And they have Denver tomorrow, so they have Denver and then Phoenix, again, two games in a row. And when you look at what they were able to do against Denver at home, it's their only win against a Western Conference opponent all season long. So you do have that going for you. At least there is that one positive caveat that you can put to this game. The Hornets beat the Denver Nuggets 113-107. to 107. This was amidst Kemba's struggles. He went 4-11 of 11 in this game, so didn't take a whole lot of field goal attempts. Did hit a couple of three-pointers out of his eight attempts, but did go to the free-throw line quite a bit. 11 of 12. So maybe that's something that Kimba is able to do. When he was not hitting, he was able to contribute from the free throw line, and he was able to go get some assists for himself. Eight assists, six rebounds, 21 points for Kimba. Overall, when he was kind of struggling efficiency-wise, Kimba actually had a pretty nice game. He was able to make up for it in some other areas. Marvin Williams had 14 points in this one. You know, you look at the guys that stepped up for the Hornets. It was Malik Monk who goes 5 of 12, is able to tally 16 points for you. Three three three-pointers, and it was Tony Parker. Shocker. 19 points for Tony Parker, 6 of 14 from the field. Frank Kaminsky actually got into this game. He played well. Six rebounds, 4 of 8 from the field, 2 of 4 from three-point range. Nobody outscored Kemba at 21, Kind of a weird box score when you think about them actually beating a number one seed in the Denver Nuggets. And they were very good then. They were 17-8 and at that point. So you're hoping that maybe the Hornets can find something that they found here at the Spectrum Center against Denver. I don't know if you believe in the revenge factor at all for the Denver Nuggets, but that doesn't bode well for the Charlotte Hornets either. And the Phoenix Suns thing, yeah, that's the worst team that they're going to be facing in this entire road trip. But we know how the Hornets perform against the bad teams in the conference, against the bad teams in the NBA. So it will be interesting to see what Mitch Kupchak and James Borrego have on their hands when they come back from this road trip. As we've talked about, some of the long-term effects that could take place. From a bad West Coast trip. Thanks for listening to Locked On Hornets here on the Locked On Podcast Network. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Locked On Hornets. Subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Overcast, wherever you get your podcasts. Just search Lockdown Hornets. We'll be back with you on Monday. Go Hornets. Let's hope for a good weekend.